doing today? Hope you're having a good day. Hope you're having a good weekend. Uh, obviously, I am not Pastor Ed, and uh, unfortunately, he is uh, really sick today. Uh, he called me last night at about 6 o'clock, and it really uh, grieves his heart, I guess, to, for him to not be able to, to preach today. Um, and in the 12, 13 years that he's been here, I can't remember one week that he's uh, actually been too sick to preach and, uh, and had to, you know, more or less call off the night before. Um, but here we are, and, uh, and so just pray for him. Uh, he is definitely not, not doing good. I haven't actually heard him like that before <laughs> when I talked to him. And uh, he's got the flu and everything that comes along with it. Um, I know he's, uh, he's got to go out of town again this weekend or this coming week as well. So uh, be praying for him um, so that we can get him back. So if, uh, if we could pray as we get started, <clears throat> I would like to do that. So let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord, and I thank you, God, for... Um, for this time that we can get together and we can gather together in your house, Lord, we can, uh, we can dive into your word, Lord, and, uh, and learn uh, what you have for us. God, as we talk today about how you've shaped us uh, individually and uh, for, for works of, of service for the kingdom, God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to what you have for us, Lord. And <clears throat> God, we just lift up Pastor Ed to you as he's not feeling well, Lord, I pray that you would heal him, that you'd put your hand on him and uh, make all these symptoms go away quickly uh, so that he can uh, get back to us and, and back to doing the work of the kingdom. God, we're so thankful to have an amazing leader like him. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would heal his body quickly. Um, we love you and thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just move through this room now as, uh, as we talk through uh, your word and, uh, and what you have for us. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, this is a subject that we're going to be talking about today that I um, that I have some experience in because 11 years ago I really had to uh, take a hard look at this very topic, which is the idea of how I'm shaped. How am I shaped? Um, and clearly, uh, I'm not. I, I was shaped for something different than what I thought I was shaped for. A lot of you have heard my story about how I wanted to uh, thought I was put on this earth to be an animator for the Walt Disney Company. And uh, clearly, I'm not that now. Um, while I thought that that's what God had shaped me for, uh, and I do believe art and things like that are part of how I've been shaped, that's, that's clearly not what God's called me to and clearly not what God has shaped, uh, shaped me for. Mark Twain once said this. Listen to this quote. You may have heard this before, but I hope this maybe has a new light for you today. It says, the two most important days in your life are number one, the day you were born, and number two, the day you figure out why. Why were you born? Think about that for a minute. Maybe you, maybe you haven't. But think that through. God has never created anything without a purpose. He hasn't created anything just because. We have, as people, we've you know, made things and, and all of that stuff, and there are certain things that you could definitely say that exist in this world that are man-made that you're like, why? Um, why is that there? But not God. Not God. Every plant has a purpose. Every star has a purpose. Every animal has a purpose. Um, God doesn't create things without reason or without purpose. And if your heart's beating, if you're breathing, then you have a purpose. The fact that you're alive means that your life is meaningful. And God has a reason for creating you, and that is good news. And so that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about our shape and shape being used as an acrostic today. As you'll see in the notes, um, not surprising, Pastor Ed 
using an acrostic for us, as he likes to do. Um, and this is great um, as we go through it here. How and why God made you. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about how we find our purpose. And the way that we start is starting with God. We need to start there. We try to find our purpose through different things because we're not going to find it on TV. We're not going to find it in a movie. We're not going to find it in the latest self-help book or a blog or some great like meme that comes across our newsfeed on Facebook. We're not going to, that's not where we're really going to find how God has shaped us. Those things may help direct us uh, in some way, shape, or form. They may not direct us the right way, though. If we're not starting with God and we're not starting with, with him, with our creator, he has created us for a purpose. And if you believe that, then that's the, way, that's the place that you need to start. So we're going to start in the book of Psalms, um, chapter 139, beginning in verse 14. If you've got your Bible, you can flip there. If you've got the Bible app, um, feel free to follow along with me right there. You can just go to events and search uh, ABT, and you'll find it right there, and you can follow along. Uh, there are some notes in the Bible app that weren't able to, to print and that aren't on the screen, so you may want to pull that, pull that down right now so that you can, uh, you can follow along closely here. So let's start with uh, Psalm 139, beginning in verse 14. It says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And as David wrote this, he was inspired by our creator. And you can see that it's pretty clear from these three verses here that God imagined you before you were born, even down to the most minute detail. And that's sometimes hard to think about because there are many details to each of us specifically. There are some very individual things about each and every one of us. And I want to pull three things from this passage right at the very beginning that kind of set the stage for where we're going for the rest of, of our time together here. And so there's three things that we see, and I want to start with the way that God shaped us here. Number one is that God has made you wonderfully complex. The fill in there is complex. God has made you wonderfully complex. The complexities of who we are are unreal. I got a text from a former student um, this, earlier this week, and she's talking to a friend of hers who's an agnostic. And she was texting me for some advice on how to talk to him and how to kind of get the conversation going with him. And one of the ways that I suggested maybe she start to talk to him is to go from kind of the science route and to talk about the complexities of our bodies and, and of ourselves. And she remembered some of that from her time in, in the youth department where we went over some of these kinds of things. But the argument in the science world of intelligent design uh, versus evolution is really kind of a thing right now. And there are a lot of complexities within our cells. And maybe you didn't know this, but in each one of your cells, there are tiny little machines that are doing very specific jobs that are keeping your cells working the right way through the DNA strand that's individual for you and everything that's going on in there it's unbelievable and this isn't just like my opinion this is like science they've seen it like in microscopes and all this stuff there's these special little awesome machines doing special things in, inside each one of your cells and if those things stop doing what they're supposed to be doing you stop being right and so you look at that and you think 
wow, that's incredibly complex just within your cells. And you think about that idea and you talk to somebody maybe who is struggling with their belief in God, but like nobody looks at a car and says, well, a whole bunch of metal must have like fallen together over millions of years and developed into this complex machine that works perfectly. That makes sense. Nobody would say that. And if you did say that and you truly believed that, you would, people would think you're insane. And rightfully so. Yet that's what the science world likes to say about us. And it's even more detailed than that. It goes even further than that. That's the real fantasy. Our bodies are so complex. Who we are, just from the science realm, is so complex. But yet who you are as an individual, who you are as a person, who God has shaped you to be, is so complex as well. Not by accident. And that's actually the second one that we're going to look at here, is that God's workmanship is marvelous. You are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. That's the fill in there is mistake. Second thing we pull out of this passage. Too many times I've had to talk to students and even adults about this very thing because the world around us and sometimes the people around us like to make us think that we're a mistake and that there's something wrong. We are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. God doesn't make junk. What we do is we take the things that God makes and we screw them up. That's what we end up doing. The mistake was not in the creation. The mistake is not from the creator. Sometimes we mess things up. Or we look at things that God made uniquely and individual for us. And instead of looking at those in a way that maybe God has wired us, we look at those as a mistake. And so we're looking at it from the complete wrong perspective. God's workmanship is marvelous. You are not a mistake. The third thing. God has a plan and a purpose for your future. God has a plan and a purpose for your future. A lot of times, though, we stop short. We stop short of seeing exactly what that is. We stop short of seeking that out because we believe the lie that we are insignificant and that we don't matter. But you do matter. You matter to God. You matter so much to God. So much that he made you just the way that you are. To be used for works of service, to build up the kingdom, and so many other things. And so we're going to look at five spiritual truths for the rest of this morning that, that really talk about the good news of how and why God created you. And we're going to use that acrostic shape. And we're going to start with the S. And so the S being spiritual gifts. You're filling there spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Spiritual gifts are special abilities given to us uh, by the Holy Spirit to every believer at conversion um, when, you know, when we accept Christ. And um, those are, these things are to be used to minister to other people and to build up the body of Christ. These aren't like powers. We're not like metahumans or mutants or something. We sometimes misconstrue these things. These gifts, though, are to be refined 
and to be used to not only grow us, but to grow the church and to reach other people as we strive to become more and more like Jesus. And so I want to give you real quick nine truths about spiritual gifts because we can get some things misconstrued. Um, And these things aren't on the screen and they're not in the printed notes, but they are on the Bible app. Um, So if you want to follow along with me through these, there is biblical support for each one of these that you can maybe look at later this week if you like. So, number one, only believers have spiritual gifts. Only believers have spiritual gifts. That only makes sense, but sometimes uh, we can get that, you know, we can get that wrong. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14 talks about that. Number two, every Christian has at least one gift. Regardless of what you think, or maybe what other people have told you, every Christian has at least one gift. That's 1 Corinthians 7.7. 7. Number three, no one receives all of the gifts. There's no one who is like Superman, who's can just has everything and can just do it all. That, wouldn't, that just doesn't even make sense with the way God uh, has created us. He loves variety, as we've talked about. Um, number four, no single gift is given to all people. So while there's no one who can have them all, there's also not one that everybody has. It's not like everybody has the, the this or, or that. Um, it takes different things. Not everybody can have the gift of, say, administration. You know, not... Not everybody can, is, is going to have that. Um, number, uh, number five, you can't earn a spiritual gift. You can't earn a spiritual gift. It's not like we can go to God and go, boy, I'd really love to be able to do that. So I'm going to do my best and work really hard, and, and maybe, you know, maybe God will give me that. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Number six, the Spirit decides what gifts you get. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Spirit decides what gifts you get, not you. Number seven, you are to develop the gifts that God gives you. We should develop these things. If we've been given a gift, we should develop it. We should work on it. We should make it better. We should hone it, sharpen it. Because number eight is it is a sin to waste the gifts that God has given you. It's a sin to waste it, and that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 4 and Matthew 25. And number nine, using your gifts brings glory to God and helps you grow. The gifts that God has given you are for you to help you grow as well as helping those that you come in contact with, that God puts in your path. There are certain people that will be put in your path that won't be put in my path, and that you have been given gifts to be able to reach them and to talk to them in ways that no one else can. Divine appointments is what I like to call them. So the next part after your spiritual gifts, so the S, spiritual gifts, the next part is H, your heart. Your heart, fill in there as heart. When we refer to the shape of your heart, we're actually talking about the things you're passionate about. The things you're passionate about, Not, not desire. We get this confused. We get passion confused with desire. Desire and passion are two different things. Desire is, is, I would love to do this. I would love to do that. That's, that's desire. But passion, passion is, I will do whatever it takes. And even more specifically, passion is a willingness to suffer for what you love. Let me say that again. Passion is a willingness to suffer for what you love. You want to know why we call it the passion of Jesus Christ around Easter time? He was willing to suffer for what he loved. He gave 
everything for what he loved, which is you and me. And it's not an obsession. That's the other side of it. That's the, that's the other extreme that we get confused is, is obsession. Obsession and passion are not the same thing. Obsession, that's, I don't care about anything. I don't care about anything. I'm going to do that. And everything else doesn't matter. That's obsession. And that's not healthy either. <clears throat> if you're not sure what your passion is, though, because I, I truly believe that that's something that you should know. You should, you should pursue. It's going to guide how God can use you in the kingdom. But if you're not sure where it is, look at, look at the verse that we've got here. Luke 12, 34 says, wherever your treasure is, they're the desires of your heart will also be. Now, yeah, people who have a heart for God put him first in their finances, and, and that's definitely a piece of this, of, of this verse, but that's not all of it. That's not every bit of it, because we should really put God first in every aspect of our life. That is a passion for God. People who have a heart for God put him first in everything, in every aspect of our lives. Are we putting him first? If you're passionate about your love for Jesus. It should be reflected everywhere. And that is a spiritual truth about how and why God created you. And that can be directed into this next one, which is the A, abilities. Abilities is A. We've all been given different abilities. And I want you to look at this verse in Exodus chapter 31. Um, so here it it was time for, for God's tabernacle to, to be built, and God specifically referred people who had certain abilities. Exodus 31.3 says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He didn't just grab whoever and say, come on, person who's never built anything ever, why don't you come and help, help do this? Not that God couldn't do that, but what made more sense was for him to get people that had the specific abilities. And one of the most common excuses that people use for not getting involved in ministry is, I just don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to offer. I can't do this. I can't do that. And nothing could be further from the truth. That's a lie that we tell ourselves. Nothing could be further from the truth. The key here is to identify and then match your abilities with the ministry that makes sense. You need to identify what your abilities are and that they can be used for ministry. But we have some misconceptions about abilities. We have some misconceptions. I'm gonna give you five misconceptions, some things that we get wrong when it comes to abilities. And we all do this, and we do this to ourselves. So the first one is that people are not born with skills and that all skills must be learned through experience. That's a big-time misconception, that people are not born with skills. That is just not true. There are a lot of skills that just seem to be inborn in people and that are developed early um, in life. You know, people say, boy, that, that guy just seems to have a natural talent for that. Well, it's probably true. You know, I'm watching March Madness over the weekend, and there's a lot of kids that are naturally gifted in that, in that regard that were, you know, given gifts physically. You know, I think about Lincoln, my eight-year-old. Um, he's just one of those kids that, like, they almost make you sick. Like, he's good at everything physically. You know what I mean? You know those people. Like, they're just good at sports no matter what they do. And, like, 
he's that kind of kid. He's just coordinated, and he, you know, he loved football from, a, from an early age, and so now he's developing that. And the kid just makes me sick because he's good at everything. And he clearly didn't get that from me. Um, it's something that, that, it's a skill that was inborn in him that God must have put there. Um, but that's a misconception. Number two, those skills which must, which must be learned are learned primarily in the classroom. We think that there are skills that, oh, well, I, I didn't go to school for that. Or, you know, I, I haven't had the proper training for this. And while that may be true in some respects, and don't get me wrong, I'm a big proponent for school. I just finished my master's and all of that. I definitely think we should get that, you know, education is a super important thing. We should, we should value education and we should push for education. But the thing is, some of the most basic skills that we have, that we've learned, we've learned at home or in the world or somewhere else outside of a classroom. I know there were plenty of things that I found out once I got out of art school and I got into an agency. There were a lot of things that art school just couldn't teach me, that I just had to be there for and to learn. And I'm sure you can think of things in your life as well in whatever job or trade that you're in that you're like, man, no amount of school could teach this, this, or that. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we get this misconception when it comes to ministry that we have to have these learned abilities or something along those lines in classroom, but it's, but it's not true. Number three, if you have certain abilities, you'll just know that you have them, that you'll just somehow just know that you've got these things. And again, that is not true. You're probably using a number of talents and a number of skills that you're not even aware of. Um, so don't, don't think that you're just going to miraculously know one day. Um, we need to seek those out. Number four, skills that I use at work are only usable there. I could not use them in ministry. That is a big misconception, and I am living, breathing proof of that. That is a huge misconception. I specifically remember a moment when I was in college, and I was, I don't know, maybe a month or two from graduating, and thinking, and, and I remember praying about this. I, there's not a whole lot of specific things. I remember, for some reason, I remember praying about this specifically and saying, God, I'm in art school and I'm doing graphic design, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be, be able to use this for ministry. I probably won't. So um, if you can use it, then use it. And man, was I way off. I had no idea that that would end up being one of the biggest tools in my belt to be able to use. And I'm so thankful that I was, I guess, smart enough or stupid enough, depending on how you want to look at it, to, to be willing to put that in God's hands and say, God, do with it what you will if you can. There is not a job or a skill that you're involved in that can't be used for the glory of God, that can't be used for the kingdom. I guarantee it. That's a big misconception. And number five, most people only have very few abilities. That is another misconception because the truth is that many national studies have been done on this that prove that the average person possesses, ready for this, anywhere from 500 to 700 skills. Like, what? Really? A lot of people think that you don't have anything to bring to the table. Because here's the problem. We are okay with being okay. We get content and complacent with where we're at. And we never really pursue the possibility that we may have a natural knack or something that God's built into us that we just haven't developed yet and that we haven't found yet. And we get okay with that. We believe the lie that we aren't 
meant for more. We believe the lie that we're insignificant. But the God I serve says differently. And the word of God says differently. Says much differently. That brings us to the P. Personality. Personality. Psalm 139, back to that, uh, that verse for a second, says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, and how well I know it. See, God didn't use a cookie cutter to you know, stamp us all out or make us just a bunch of droids that are all like the same thing, um, who all look and act alike. He loves variety, and if you just look around the room for a minute, there's, uh, there's no doubt that God loves variety. And I love that basically the first job title in scripture, if you're really to look at, at Genesis, is that God is an artist. That's really the first job title he's given because he is creating. And, and I love that because he loves variety. He loves making things different, all different shapes, sizes, colors, and all of that kind of stuff. There's no right or wrong temperament. You know, the whole Enneagram thing is like a thing now. I'm a one or I'm a this or I'm a that. Like, we think that like each one of those are like a better or worse. There's no right or wrong. You know, are you the golden retriever or the goat? I don't remember what the other animals are there, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I don't think goat's one of them. Um, but, but right, we look at that and think like, oh, well, I've got to be this one or I've got to be that one, as opposed to just thriving with how God made you and, and who you are. We, we need variety and we need that uh, to, to keep balance in, in the church. You know, I think of Mikey McVeigh for a second. You want to talk about somebody who is very uh, different from me. Mikey is, uh, is taking over uh, the youth department and, and moving into that um, area, as, as you all well know. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because Mikey and I are a lot alike in, in what I'm going to say the things that matter. In, in my opinion, he, he's, his work ethic is, is second to none, and he loves students, and he, he, his passion for seeing students come to know Christ and, and for their lives to be changed and, and for his, um, his strive for things to, to be the best that they can be and, and his creativity and all of that. But in terms of personality um, and all of that, like I'm, I'm sometimes kind of the, the, the louder um, you know, person in the room, and he is not. Um, he's much more quiet and reserved and so sometimes I need to shut up and sometimes he needs to speak up and both of us are like we're just different in that way you know what I mean and I love that about him though I love that he's not just like a cookie cutter J that's taken over the youth department we didn't need another J <laughs> quite frankly we needed a Mikey and God brought us that and I'm so thankful for that but God needs a you <laughs> that's my point God needs a you. However you are wired and made, God has made you that way to be used. Your personality is not a detriment. It's not. So don't think that. It's something that God can use. Which also brings us to the E, which is experiences. This is our last one, experiences. And the experiences that we go through in our life, I feel like sometimes we look at uh, maybe in a way that we shouldn't. Sometimes we look at those experiences all wrong because God never wastes a hurt. Hear that. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes it. The painful experiences, the things that we go through in our life, God wants to use those things. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says this, He comforts us 
in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You know, one of the most overlooked factors in determining the ministry that God has for you is your past experience. Because a lot of times we look at our past experience, we look at at the hurts and the problems that we've overcome with God's help. Sometimes we look at those things and we think the opposite. We think those things disqualify us. The things I've gone through, who I was, what I did, that that disqualifies me. When in fact, it's quite the opposite. It probably qualifies you more than you realize. The things that you've gone through in your life qualify you more than you know. Our greatest life messages come out of our weaknesses, not our strengths. Pay close attention to the things that you've learned through your life and through the the tough experiences that you've gone through. I've heard it said that a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Think about that for a minute. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. If I were to ask you to raise your hands, I would say that probably all of us have been through an experience in our life where our faith has been tested. And if it can't be tested, it can't be trusted. We might not have a clear understanding of every single circumstance or problem or trial or thing that's gone on in our life, but we can be confident in the one who is sovereign and who is in control. That is where our confidence should lie. Jesus summed it up here in John 16, He said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So that's why my connection point for this morning is this. God has shaped you in a unique and special way. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. If you're willing to find out how your spiritual gifts have shaped you and how God has made you into the person that you are, then you have a chance to bring glory to God in a a very special way. If you've never, if you've never taken a, a spiritual gifts test, I want to encourage you to do that. You may not even know exactly how God has shaped you spiritually. I hope that maybe you'll do that this week. Just, you, just Google it. You'll find one. It's pretty easy. How has God shaped you to be used? Because he shaped you in a very unique and special way. Will you stand with me and bow your heads? You have been shaped in a very special and unique way. And there is a God that loves you more than anything. He created you to be with him and to have a relationship with him. And it's only our sin that separates us from God. And Jesus paid the price for you and for me so that we could live with him in eternity. But he's not just saving you for then. He wants to use you now to reach other people. But if we don't look at how God has shaped us, we're never gonna have that chance to be used. But if you've never made that commitment to him, if you've never put your full faith and trust in Jesus, man, (laughs) there's no better day than today. If you wanna know more about that, I would love to talk to you. We have other people here that would love to talk to you. I would just encourage you to, to come down front afterwards and talk to me. 
or find one of us. We'd love nothing more than to show you what God's word has to say about how much he loves you and wants a relationship with you. Father, I love you, God, and I thank you, Jesus, for how much you love us and for God, how much you have shaped us uniquely to be used. God, you've given each of us gifts and heart and abilities, personality and experiences to be used for your glory. Help us not to waste them, God. Father, we don't wanna waste what you've given us. Lord, as we're prepping to move forward as Connect Church, God, you've shaped each and every one of us to be used for your kingdom. And I pray that all of us, Lord, would take this time now before we've moved to see how we can be used when we're there. But God, you wanna, you wanna use us even right here and right now. So Lord, don't let, each, each, don't let any of us walk out of this door without making a commitment to you in some way, shape, or form. Lord, we never wanna to come to this place. We never wanna to gather together without being changed and without hearing from you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just continue to move. We invite you, even now. In Jesus' name, amen.